Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. I had a little short break last week. I was taking care of things with my mom, but I'm back. And we just have two more shows for season two, Dave. Can't believe it. I know. And uh, today I was actually on like like a time warp. I was on a meeting online with the Worcester Business Journal on a meeting on cannabis. And several of my past guests were there, including member Ellen Rosenfeld. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So she was there talking about what a difficult year it's been. Mm -hmm. Wow. For these dispensaries and cannabis. So that was Kind of fun. I'm going to go back after this. It's fun having these online sessions. I went to a, a dispensary, Joyce, in the one in Sharon. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Which is not a sponsor of the show, but they are yet. But they are called Maybe. Zen Leaf. Yeah, not too far from Gillette Stadium on Route 1. And um, customer service was excellent with one exception. I walked in and there was a big sign that said cash only, which I wasn't expecting. And so as soon as I saw the sign, I said to the guys, where's the nearest uh, ATM? And they said, oh, yeah, just like a mile up the road. Then I went back into the place. And once I got kind of into the inner sanctum of the dispensary, there's like a whole line of ATM machines in there. So I don't know if these guys were stoned or what. <laughs> I said, I said, <laughs> why, why didn't you? I told, on the way out, I was like, why didn't you tell me there was an ATM in there? He goes, oh, I, I don't know. You seem like you wanted one outside for some reason. And, oh, God. You got a weird you got a vibe that you didn't want to pay the $3 fee. Oh. I don't know. That, that, they, <laughs> mentioned, they mentioned that, actually. That's the only th- explanation, I guess. But 
I ended up finding a different one paying a $3 fee, so it wasn't that. <laughs> All right. So um, just there are always any, a novice, any novice, there's always a cash machine inside the dispenser because it's a cash-only business. <laughs> now I know. Now I know. A little, a little point and a tip. Okay. And another funny little thing I learned today, a little political news. So Connecticut is going legal July 1st, and Rhode Island, I believe, is having a vote. And yeah, are you going to do plotting? Yeah. You want more applause? You can have as much more as you applause. want. More applause. That's a big Connecticut. <laughs> it's applause, applause. It's getting up across New England. And because, you know, women have the vote and it's a voting thing. And I learned yesterday that, did you know, this is actually true. The bicycle had a significant role in getting us women to the moment of um, voting because it is cl- tied very closely to women's suffragette and the women's right movement. Hmm. Because they needed the bikes to get to the voting places? Cause... <laughs> Gave them freedom. And okay. because they had freedom, they had to change the way they dressed. Instead of wearing those long, ridiculous skirts, they could hike them up or do whatever they did. It changed mm-hmm. fashion, too. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Totally <laughs> it, makes sense. Yeah. It does. And I learned this. It's a new book called Spin. It's a novel, actually, but it's based loosely on the story of Annie Londonberry, who took a bicycle trip around the world in the late 1894, 1895 range. She's apparently very controversial. She left her small children and she rode around the world and she was sort of an early female emancipator, I guess, combined with marketer. There's a scene in the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which depicts the moment where bikes had just been invented. And and, and he's got his um, lady friend on the bike with him. So maybe it's from that era. Perhaps. Interesting. Anyway, I yep. must look back at that. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I do remember that scene. I was a small child, but I do. Mm-hmm. And another, um, this is actually another book before I get to the guest. So another book I want to talk about for anyone who loves music or pop culture, like our friend Dave here, it's called Rock Me on the Water, LA 1974. And I was actually in LA in 1974. I was at a cousin's bar mitzvah. <laughs> I was nine and I mm-hmm. do remember it felt really groovy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pop culture, music, it's just, I don't know. It's and it's about that moment in time in LA. and Literally, like, like how all those forces came together. And, you know, it's marketing, it's talent, it's energy, I would imagine, at some point. It was culture that was creating. And it was just a moment in time that really, it was, America was very influential culturally, I guess. In yeah. An interesting way. So that was I that. will check that um, out. Check it out. I think you'll like it. All right. And then I was almost on Boston Public Radio again yesterday. They're getting closer to having me on as a guest. But I called in because Jim and Marjorie were looking for some good political news. And of course, I called in about cannabis because I know that my friends in Texas and Pennsylvania are talking to Republicans because we know that cannabis can be a joiner. And today, my guest is going to talk about New Jersey. So that's exciting because that's a new state coming on. It's got some good stuff we need to talk about. So before we introduce today's guest, I just want to thank Simply J Bookkeeping and Consulting for making today's show possible. Okay, today's guest. Today's guest's own personal journey led through the loss of a best friend to opiates, her own discovery of cannabis cures for chronic pain, anxiety, and depression, and a move west to the West Coast where she worked in a growth facility. And now today's guest is a microbiologist in New Jersey, and she's here today to share her insights into the emerging New Jersey cannabis legal market, specifically what's going on in the labs and what value she's adding in the emerging New Jersey industry. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Morgan Caitlin. Welcome, Morgan. Thanks for joining us today on your break. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So just, let's just get right into this. So you came back to the East Coast in August of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic because uh, you secured a job in New Jersey. So what compelled you to make that decision? And, you know, you're at the cutting edge now. So just talk about how this came to be and where you are now. 
Sure. So I have a biology degree from Rutgers. I'm from the Philadelphia area. I moved out to Denver, Colorado to work in cannabis science. So I worked in a testing facility in Denver, uh, testing cannabis to be put legally on the market after they go through the testing. I learned a bunch, realized Denver is very expensive (laughs) to live and wanted to be closer to my family when all the pandemic hit. So I I decided to move back and it just so happened that New Jersey, you know, there were rumors that it was going to be legalized in New Jersey in last November for election. So thankfully it did become legal. And now I'm working at a testing facility that tests hemp currently, and we will hopefully be testing high THC within the next two weeks or so. So now they are in the end. So what I, I hear about labs in like California, I don't know that much about labs in other places. So where do you see this coming up? I know there's a lot of bad labs out there. I know the testing is a little controversial. How many labs are there in New Jersey? How is this working? Like, I know it's also state specific. Right. So in New Jersey right now, the labs are actually just getting set off. This labs that I'm at has been around for about a year and we would be what it seems like we'd be the first lab to start testing high THC. And right now, all the medical cannabis gets sent to Trenton and it's a government owned lab facility that is testing currently. And they just do a small handful of tests, none of which include microbial testing. So it's a little bit of heavy metals, a little bit of pesticides, potency, and I think some residual solvents. But this is for the medical. So it's for the medical program is only government tested. Right. Cannabis? It's it's a it's a right. So it's oh, a wow. lab okay. in Trenton, and every I think there's ten operators right now for medical cannabis in the state of New Jersey, and they all send their stuff up to Trenton. And I, from what I've been hearing, there's like a two month turnaround on their results, and they have to do each strain. I think like once a year or something, it's not as stringent as most of the states that are recreational, basically. So how does, do you know how that compares to New York now? Are you sort of comparable? Do you have any idea? I am not sure. I, I would assume there's probably a few, just like in Pennsylvania, there's maybe two or three labs that do the testing. And I think it's similar in New York. All right, that's, yeah, so, so, so this is a big, this is booming. So these, these labs are kind of being set up. So what are you seeing around you? Are they um, people coming in from other industries, people coming in from pharmaceuticals, people coming in because they think labs are fun to work in? Who's <laughs> setting up these labs? <laughs> yeah, so there a lot of multi-state operators are coming in. So it's labs that have been, in previous states that are now coming into New Jersey and maybe from Maryland. And I think there's a few from Massachusetts, possibly these labs are setting up, but it normally takes uh, six months to a year to validate all these new processes for the labs and obviously hire people and stuff. So the lab I'm at right now is DEA registered and ISO certified already. And so we're hoping within the next two to three weeks, we'll be able to take some of the burden off the state lab and start at least doing quality control testing on cannabis. And what's, and so you're doing, you're doing hemp testing now, right? So are you looking for Correct. similar things in the hemp and the THC? What, exactly. I mean, the hemp, okay. So, 
So we're part of the hemp program. Right now, the only required test for hemp is potency. So you have to make sure it's below that 0.3% uh, THC level. So yeah, so mostly potency. So I have been also training in chemistry to help out chemistry a bit. And there are some hemp operators that do want microbial testing. So I will also do testing for microbes with hemp. I mean, so the, cause the hemp is being used for the CBD products, right? Is that what you're testing? Correct. Them? Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. I mean, there's a yeah. medical, I mean, again, there's supposed to be like a medical grade thing so that people can heal themselves. So they, yes. the, the, the THC is important, but I think all the other stuff is pretty important. I too. agree. <laughs> I agree. And I, I, I'm hoping in the future that hemp and CBD become a bit more regulated and hopefully these companies eventually we'll have to test for more than just to prove that it's below that 0.3% THC. Yeah, that's a good goal. So so back to cannabis, which is really the same plant. We're just talking about, but what we're talking about, so you're working with the dispensaries, are you going to be testing for things like, are they looking for terpenes yet? Are they looking for the cannabinoid profiles? What are they looking for when they're testing in the labs? Right. So required testing in New Jersey, they haven't decided yet. They are going to allow these medical cannabis operators to contract with third-party labs to do quality control testing because the state lab is not equipped to test for all the things that they are probably going to have to test for within the next year. So they're going to allow these big operators who've been here for years to start testing and seeing if they can pass these tests that are going to be required within the year. So you know, that would include microbials like testing for E. coli and salmonella, residual solvents for concentrates and extracts, more pesticides than the state lab currently has under their belt, heavy metals, that kind of stuff. So they, these companies will contract with us to see, you know, if they can get products on the shelves within a year, because in places like California, when testing initially got implemented, it was hard to keep, to get products on the shelves because these operators and producers were used to not having to test for all the things that are required for recreational cannabis. Right. That's a, and the testing is a really important part of this. I think people kind of underestimate the importance of it. Everything you want verify, because I say this all the time, you have to almost know where your hemp is coming from at this point. And if you don't, you want to have those third-party verifications so that you know that what you're often ingesting especially these um, tinctures and things are you know what they say they are so exactly and it it does seem like more states are starting to require the labs to be iso certified it means that you have to you are getting audited regularly by your processes so you have an outside person come in who's trained in auditing to look over the paperwork and watch you do the processes for testing to ensure that you're doing it correctly so that you're getting the correct results out So I think there are several states now that are requiring that. I know Michigan just required only AOAC recommended testing procedures to be done in their labs in Michigan. So it seems like it's starting to go in that general way where eventually I have a feeling we're going to be umbrellaed under the FDA. That's it. So, so this is, I mean, again, I talk about cannabis across the board. These are job creators. So when you, you know, I'm sure you didn't assume you're going to be a cannabis lab tester when you graduated <laughs> from Rutgers. So do you, do you talk to young scientists, always women or, who are interested in this world or how they can get into this or what positions are out there? And, you know, I think women are elevating the professionalism of cannabis across the board and just making sure things are done right. Are you involved in that with anyone at that level? 
Yeah, I mean, I would love to be more involved. I think the biggest problem right now within cannabis testing is because it's not really regulated by the government. People that come from pharmaceuticals tend to make a lot more money than right. I'm currently making. And we they get a lot more benefits, you know, health benefits, stock options, retirement plans than cannabis companies can offer right now. The other big thing when I've talked to other scientists is that they are worried that this will almost taint their resume because you're not you're not really under an FDA regulated lab. So I have definitely looked, when I look at other jobs that are basically doing the same testing that I'm doing, they want scientists who already have experience in FDA regulated environments. And because we're not federally legal yet, we can't be FDA regulated. Another cannabis conundrum, people. Another (laughs) cannabis. All right. So we... The FDA, I don't, we don't, I don't really talk about this much, but I, in terms of the politics part of this is New Jersey, who's talking about this to people who are making the decisions about how this works. Do you know anybody in that? So world? there's the, there's the CRC. It's the cannabis regulatory committee that they set up in New Jersey a few months. There's several people in there. I, they are telling us that they're speaking to scientists. I don't know any scientists that are really, you know, closely working with that committee, but they are the ones that are setting up these regulations and they are allowing like municipalities to say no to cannabis within their county until August 22nd. So we are assuming that sometime around then is when they will start to get together these testing protocols, because right now they're basing the testing standards off of Maryland regulations for cannabis testing. And to be honest, I'm not sure why they chose Maryland. Who knows? So, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so, yeah, so it actually, okay. So it's sort of similar to the rest of cannabis is that it's a hard business to be in. Uh, these businesses are regulated by 280E, which is a whole another business issue on top of the fact that it's federally illegal. I just, there's so many layers upon layers, but again, which is an expanding industry science, is an, is an integral part of it. So, all right, ladies out there, this is still, it, it's going to happen, but we're just sort of moving along. And and are you doing any consulting? At, what do you see, like in these new, in, what do you, what's the most important part of this process for the testing? Like I know the labs have to be at some point should be under the FDA for the scientist, but what other things do you see in these labs that are kind of unique to cannabis, but are comparable to when people think about medical labs or other testing labs or food, I mean, like other things that get tested. So all the testing protocols are based off of food and drug testing. So it is very similar. I think the issue that I saw in Denver and I've read a lot about is that there is lab shopping within the industry. So if a producer of, say, extracts doesn't like the potency numbers that they're getting and they're the paying client for the lab, they can go to a different lab that are giving them higher potency numbers and use that lab. Or if they're failing micro um, testing in one lab, they go to another lab that passes them, they'll use that lab instead. Are you not to do that in other industries? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think that there is, I think that a batch is a batch, like in, in big pharma, they do a lot of internal testing, but also they're regulated by the FDA. So they're auditing themselves internally a lot. They're getting audited by the FDA regularly, you know, and it's, I guess a lot of money to, to waste if they're going to, they're not going to, you know, smudge their results. Whereas Mm -hmm. cannabis is still this gray area and 
these producers, you know, I almost don't blame them. They have a hundred pounds behind a batch and this other lab that costs about the same is passing the batch. They're going to use that lab. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that seems like it happens pretty regularly within the industry where they're, where they're shopping around for labs because I've heard that in California from, I've heard of yeah. women in the industry in California. So again, like these are self-regulating industries, which seems sort of strange. And if we're going to use this as medicine, we need to be sort of clear what we're getting and what do you think the fix is? Is a fix? I mean, it's like over-regulated, yeah. under-regulated. Right. I would say it, it's got to be more regulated by the government, which yeah. means it needs to be federally legal because there needs to be a standardization of testing. I mean, it's almost, and it's not even the lab's fault because each lab is basically able to pick how they test for microbials. So for example, you can extract the DNA and do a qPCR process, or you could plate. And they gave you that option. They give you that option in several states. So they're not even using the same test method for the same sample in different labs. And does that happen with lettuce across the country, do we think? No, or, no, no, no. Okay. No, it All does right, not. So- they, they have an approved method of how they do it, and then they do it, you know, whereas these labs are almost like, not that they're coming up with it out of nowhere, but they're basing it off of big pharma. They're basing it off of food testing. And they pick and choose. But I think like with Michigan requiring that it has to be an AOAC testing standard, that made the AOAC then review different like plating techniques, different companies that do plates and pick the ones that they thought were appropriate based on intensive testing within their government body, within the body of the AOAC. So it's moving. I think that, yeah, I think it's, and I think it will. I mean, I think as more states legalize, hopefully federal legalization is around the corner. They're going to have to kind of standardize things a little bit more than, you know, what it is right now or what it was five years ago. All right. And you guys are, and you're helping it. The ladies are helping get there. So, so we're going to be back with my guest, Morgan, Caitlin, after this quick, just finish our talk uh, to talk a little bit about cannabis accounting, because we know that, a cannabis accountant is a must part of your team if you're in the cannabis industry. And if you're a small business planning on growing, you need clarity in your bookkeeping. And at Simply J Bookkeeping and Consulting, their unique approach to servicing their clients is going to help you. Simply J's founder, Jillian Johnson, had a vision for a one-stop shop for bookkeeping, accounting, and compliance, and managerial services for small and medium-sized businesses that welcomed holistic organizations, including cannabis. And she's manifested that vision into a reality because that is what women in cannabis do. So if you're looking for clarity with how well your company is operating or have pain points that need to be resolved or are just working, looking for a trusted guidance and making decisions to grow your organization and increase your profits, you need to speak with Jillian and her team today. Discovering calls are free and you're guaranteed to learn something new when you approach your business needs with the same present and open mind we are learning to find in other parts of our lives through cannabis. So please contact Jillian at simplyjconsulting at gmail.com or text her at 508-245-0106019 to set up a discovery session and get your business clarity in 2021 because... Life is about balancing. Why not partner with those who do it best? 
Simply J Bookkeeping and Consulting. Okay, we are back with Morgan. So we talked about your work. We talked a little bit about New Jersey. I know you have to get back to work and I really <laughs> appreciate your time, but we didn't really yeah, talk at all about your personal journey. I mean, every woman in this industry understands how hard it is and you stay in it because you all have some sort of, I don't know, just some such a strong connection to it that you're willing to put up with all the craziness. So I don't know if you have a couple of minutes. You just want to share how you actually got here so our, our, our listeners can understand why you're so passionate and why you stay here. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess growing up and I got a little bit older and I started to realize, you know, everyone suffers with some mental health issues and you don't necessarily have to go to pharmaceutical medications, not saying that that's bad, but cannabis just helped me open up and be more myself. And I realized that there was a big stigma around it. I love science. So I realized in order to kind of get rid of that stigma it had to be more it had to be more testing it had to be more science-based it had to be you know just more out there in society as an alternate means of feeling better about yourself and I basically just started researching how I could combine my biology degree with cannabis and I was actually in doctor of physical therapy school. And one of my teachers said that her daughter worked in a cannabis testing lab in California. And it just kind of like a light bulb just kind of went off. And I was like, Oh, wow, I don't even need to pay for grad school. I don't really feel like I fit here. I don't really want all this student loan debt. And I just started researching it in my spare time to the point that I decided to leave doctor physical therapy school and got into testing and worked in a dispensary in New Jersey for a little bit and realized I had to move out West to, to do further testing and further cannabis science things. So that's basically how I got into it. And, you know, I've lost a lot of friends to opiates and opiate addiction. And I just think it's a good alternative means to help people in all kinds of ways for chronic pain, insomnia, depression, anxiety, you know, you name it. So I'm just trying to get rid of the stigma by help push the science behind it. Excellent. I like such a great message. Everyone's adding value. You add value. This industry needs everyone in it. So thank you, Morgan. Thank you so much for thank you so sharing much. your time with us today. So one more show. Thank you, Morgan, for sharing. If people want to get in touch it. with you, I, I know you're on Instagram. How do they reach you? Yeah, Morgan Caitlin, M-O-R-G-A-N-C-A-I-T-L-I-N. I do some cannabis consulting on the side. So please reach out if you have any questions about the cannabis industry. I'd be willing to help any way I can, definitely. Thank you. And uh, always in the notes, you know that. Dave, thank you, Dave, for joining us today. My pleasure. I know. Our Cannamom social media team, Catherine Hayden, rounding it up, getting ready for the summer plans. I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Cannamom theme music. They're going to be coming out with some new music and new words for season three. Um, but most importantly, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannamom show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. Please follow us on social media. Subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.